The reading of the scriptures from Psalm 91, I invite your reverent hearing and hearing in faith the word of the Lord from Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and on the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Our uh, psalm this morning seemingly uh, suggests in a very powerful way that uh, uh, the world is a, a very dangerous uh, place uh, uh, for Christians. Uh, the Apostle Paul, as you're aware, tells us in Ephesians uh, to put on the full armor of God. For arrayed against us are the world forces of darkness, suggesting again, uh, as I've mentioned, that we live in a dangerous place. And the forces arrayed against us are greater than us in strength, cunning, and ability. I would even uh, go so far as to say that you have no hope whatsoever uh, except uh, that God wins for us uh, the victory. Uh, and, and our text this morning uh, reminds us of that as the psalmist tells us that our security is in who God is and what he does for us. The entirety of his provisions in, if you will, the safe transit uh, of a, a violent uh, battlefield. Uh, this is a, a psalm of praise. More particularly, it's a psalm of trust in God. It's a confession of a man who has genuine faith as he transits a battlefield. And it is what true faith looks like. Uh, and more particularly, uh, the object of his faith uh, was his entire security. Uh, I think uh, that the psalmist is a warrior. 
Uh, perhaps uh, he pins this psalm on the eve of battle or perhaps just after a battle. Uh, that I cannot speak to. The reason I think that he is a soldier uh, is in verse 4 we read of a shield or a wall. Uh, we, we, we read those uh, words in non-military context, but uh, I think there is more to suggest here. Uh, like verse 5, there are arrows in flight. And that, I think, is a particular reminder that uh, this is a soldier who's uh, experienced or will experience uh, a battlefield. Uh, he speaks of a night attack. He speaks in verse 7 of men falling on right and left, uh, but that he is spared. Uh, ancient warriors, as you know, had their gods and had their afterlife. Valhalla for the Vikings and Elysian Field for the Romans. But these are cheap imitations of the real thing that we have here. The psalmist will tell us of the one true God and His faith. Furthermore, in the ancient Near East, uh, the, the battlefield was an especially ugly place. I'm not suggesting it's not ugly anywhere, uh, but in the ancient battlefield, there were no vascular surgeons. Uh, there were no antibiotics. There were no drugs for pain. Uh, so it was an especially ugly and painful uh, place. But our man uh, trusts God, and uh, God uh, rewards that trust with the promise of deliverance. Uh, in a broader sense, in terms of application, uh, Kidner has written that this is a psalm for danger. Uh, it's a psalm for times of exposure and encirclement, or of challenging the powers of evil so the application for Kidner goes way beyond that of the warrior. It's for us. It's for you and me. Uh, because we live in a dangerous world and we transit this world. Uh, and oftentimes uh, we, uh, we fight uh, ill-equipped and uh, uh, we are encircled. And the powers of evil are arrayed against us. And uh, we must trust God to deliver us because absent Him, we will not be delivered. Uh, the key is that safe passage in this life and into eternity is in trusting the God of Scripture. Uh, the overwhelming message of this psalm is uh, one of trust. That regardless of whether uh, you will fight on a modern-day battlefield or simply live your life on some address in Oklahoma City, uh, you are confronted every day uh, with the necessity of trusting God. And you will never graduate from the necessity of trusting God in the events of your life. Uh, our psalmist is uh, absolutely confident that God will reward his trust. And he writes uh, to us of that trust in Psalm 91. There are two major ver uh, movements in the psalm, verses 1 to 13, we have a confession of trust. Uh, the psalmist is telling us that on uh, the danger of his uh, battlefield that he has to trust God. Uh, the application is profound. We must every day trust God. And uh, our man as well tells us why. Why we must trust God. Uh, specifically because God alone can deliver us. Uh, in verses 14 to 16, which is the second great movement, uh, God answers the man of faith. Verse 13, the psalmist is speaking. He is speaking to us about his transit of the battlefield. 
And because of his trust, God answers him uh, and tells him that God will, God will deliver him. Uh, let's begin with the uh, confession of trust. Uh, and the confession of trust of our psalmist should become our confession that we will trust God uh, in the midst of all of the challenges and difficulties of life. In the first two verses, we have uh, metaphors for safety. First, he who dwells in the shelter. The word shelter in Psalm 27 is uh, used of the tabernacle. Uh, that specifically is a reference to the presence of God. You and I know that the tabernacle was a mobile temple, a localized place where God showed himself to be present. The priest, for example, would carry it into battle for victory. But for us, it's a figure of speech. Certainly, God localized his presence in the tabernacle. Uh, but because God is everywhere, our author is safe everywhere and finds his relationship, his safety in that relationship. It means that whoever or whatever is trying to get at him or to him must go through God. It's a powerful reminder uh, that God surrounds us and circles us. And uh, whoever wants us must go through God. And that is a profound expression of this element in trusting God and the confession of who God is and uh, why God is worthy of our trust. Second, we live in the shadow. The word for shadow is used as the protection provided by the wings of an eagle over its eaglets. Uh, Moses uh, says of the first Exodus that God bore you on eagles' wings, Exodus 19.4. Or again, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 11, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spreads his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. It's a reminder that uh, God comes to overshadow us, to protect us, uh, and that he is uh, carrying us on his wings. A reminder again that God is worthy of our trust because of who he is. Thirdly, God was his refuge. Now the text again is not quite that way. He's confessing to us that God is my refuge. Uh, if you will, he is the ultimate refuge. But the reason I stress the first person singular possessive pronoun it's a reminder of trust. He must be your refuge. You must be able to say, my refuge, my trust. This is my God. It must be a personal event, a personal experience. The psalmist is telling us who God is. He's also telling us that God is worthy of our trust. But at some point, it must be internalized. You must be able to say, God is my refuge. In the English Bible, the word refuge is used in Deuteronomy 33, 27. That God is a refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. This verse spawned the songwriter to write the hymn, leaning on the everlasting arms. And one of the lines is safe and secure from all alarms. The last metaphor is the fortress, an impregnable stronghold. But again, uh, Possessive 
pronoun. My, my fortress, my refuge. Reminded of Luther's famous hymn, Reformation. A mighty fortress is our God. Luther was inspired to write this uh, great hymn of the Reformation when he watched the workers uh, repairing the walls of a fortress in preparation for an attack. And he falls back on the greater reality that, yes, sometimes we need walls, but the greatest thing we need is the eternal walls that surround the people of God. It's the only place of ultimate safety. All walls, except God, can be breached or bypassed. And every gatekeeper can be bribed, except for God. And matched with these four metaphors are four names for God. So here it becomes all the more important that uh, God provides, but a specific God. And the names of God tell us specifically that God is worthy of our trust. First is Elyon, the Most High, that God is supreme. Everyone and everything is subordinate to him, even the enemy. Uh, the second is Shaddai. Uh, a Hebrew cognate is the word mountain, so that the Lord is king of the mountain. I take it in a more basic sense, speaking to sufficiency, that God is always enough. Uh, something of the theology of Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Everything I need because the Lord is my shepherd. The third uh, name that the psalmist uses is that for Lord, the covenant name for God. That God engages in a covenant with his people. But it's more beautiful than that. In Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham then puts him to sleep to consummate the covenant. Meaning that the performance is entirely based upon the grace of God who does not fail and who does not sleep. Lastly is the name for God, Elohim, that's most particularly associated with God as creator. That he creates, of course, the physical universe, but he also creates safe passage in transiting the battlefield of this life. And it is this interplay that you must connect uh, the provisions with the provider. And that is decisively important. Uh, men can promise and sometimes deliver on all of this, but ultimately only God can provide safe transit for the soul. And all of this theology, again, must be personal to you. The psalmist says uh, in verse 2, of the Lord in whom I trust, that uh, we must uh, trust God, uh, and that God is worthy of our trust. For the Christian, the Lord is uh, safety and security, and the Lord will bring us through whatever trials may come. And it is the Lord that makes us safe, not walls, not wealth, not friends or whatever. Nothing wrong with any of these things in and of themselves, but they cannot deliver ultimate and absolute security. And that is the confession of the psalmist uh, to each of us here this morning. Again, walls can be breached, wealth cannot buy redemption, and friends sometimes fail us, uh, but God never fails. And that is why He is worthy of our trust. 
He never fails. Ultimately and absolutely, He will win for us. And the psalmist uh, tells us uh, that God will bring us through times of challenge. In our case of Psalm 91, uh, the psalmist will be brought through uh, the vagaries and the terrors of the ancient Near Eastern battlefield. The Christian does not escape the battle, but he has promised deliverance and emergence from it. And in an uncertain age, here is the guarantee of absolute security and victory. Uh, metaphors again dominate beginning in verse 3. Uh, he will deliver, verse 3, from the snare uh, of, uh, of the fowler or the trapper. Uh, there is nothing more helpless than a bird caught in a trap. Uh, the great uh, defense that a bird has in a time of danger is that uh, the bird can fly away unless he's caught in a trap. Uh, we get caught in traps too. God will ultimately spring the trap. And from the deadly pestilence, again, the ancient battlefield uh, was often a place of rampant disease because of the absence, of course, of uh, modern uh, medicine. Uh, rotting flesh was present. Terrible uh, place uh, of, uh, of disease and infection. Uh, but God is sovereign here too. Christians get sick, and God is the ultimate cure. And there is no disease that He cannot render finally and totally the ultimate cure. Uh, this could also be understood uh, as a secret plot, like a rumor. Uh, sometimes on the battlefield, rumors are spread for deception. You and I sometimes get caught in rumors too, uh, but God is in control here too. Some of the Psalms tell us that the wicked dig a pit for us, and ironically, God makes them fall into it. It's an incredible expression of uh, God's protection of His people. Uh, the wicked set booby traps for us and they fall upon the wicked. Uh, people set traps. Uh, they dig a pit. Uh, Psalm tells us that they will ultimately fall into the pit that they have dug for us. He will cover you with His wings. Verse 4. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark or wall of protection. A defense that never rests. Remember, I think it was the... Uh, uh, defense contractor Raytheon uh, that uh, had a motto, the defense that never rests. Uh, great trial lawyer F. Lee Bailey wrote a book, The Defense That Never Rests. But it really only applies to God. The defense that he provides for his people never rests, never tires, never sleeps never goes on vacation, never goes on sabbatical. That you and I can always have the sure and certain hope that we know the one true God whose defense of His people never rests. Uh, you will not fear the night attack or the arrow that flies by day, verse 5. In 6, the pestilence and sickness endemic to the ancient battlefields and encampments were occasions for fear. Our psalmist says, because of God, uh, not for Him. A thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. But it will not come near you. 
says God to the psalmist. And so he is making that confession to us. It will not come near you because, because of God. This uh, perpetual reminder that God is worthy of our trust because of who he is. No evil or plague will fall on you or come near your tent, verse 10. So the psalmist is telling us over and over again with these uh, figures of speech that the cause of his safety and victory is ultimately in God. And he makes these promises to us so that we will trust him. And he keeps them for us so that we will worship him as an expression of our abiding trust in who he is and the beauty and the majesty of his unfailing goodness. Uh, I am reminded, uh, again, as a metaphor of the battlefield, that uh, on the battlefield there is uh, great confusion, there's chaos, uh, there's incredible fog. Uh, sometimes uh, commanders lose a sense of what's going on, uh, but God is none of those things. He knows, and therefore is the worthy object of our trust. And even though in your personal life you might be engaging in a time of profound confusion. Maybe there's chaos from some uh, venue. Uh, God is not forgotten. Uh, God sets his love upon his people and uh, ultimately God will deliver because that is who God is. And this perpetual reminder that God is worthy of our trust uh, comes from the psalmist who has experienced the profound danger, chaos, and fog of the ancient battlefield. How do these things come to be? Verses 11 to 13, the psalmist will tell us. Specifically, that God will dispatch divine agents and angels to protect us. He commands, uh, and angels, uh, angels go. Uh, what a great uh, reminder uh, of... Uh, Specific provision of God. He will give his angels a charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Uh, the word guard is in many of its usages in the Old Testament, a military term. Uh, a guard is stationed to protect something. Psalm 121, it is used six times of God guarding the pilgrim on his journey to worship. As a reminder that the Lord keeps his own. Journeys sometimes are very dangerous, uh, but God is the guard and the protector. And the psalmist says, the Lord is your keeper. He will guard your soul forevermore. Guard your soul forevermore. Now, I simply remind you that if God was not guarding your soul as a Christian, you would never make it out of this world alive. Never. But because he is guard, protector, you have and you will, and you will transit safely the battlefield of this life in which the world forces of evil and wickedness and darkness are arrayed against you. But because God is your protector, you will so transit. I love Psalm 34.7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. 
They will carry you lest you stumble and fall. Very interesting, uh, perhaps uh, uh, you were reminded in the simple reading of this text that Satan quoted this verse to Jesus in his temptation to seduce him. Uh, it reminds us that the humanity of Jesus uh, was in grave danger. I mean, the text is Matthew 4, 6, in grave danger. This is part of the danger. Our arch enemy sometimes knows Scripture better than we do and will tempt us with it. But Jesus defeats him as a prologue to victory over him. I'll remind you of this in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 29. Jesus is telling us that our ultimate victory uh, is in what he does for us. And so we read in uh, Matthew 12, 29, or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? The strong man's house is this world in which uh, Satan is the prince of darkness. And Christ comes and enters it and binds him and plunders him of all of his people and leaves none behind. What a great promise of the power, the dominion of, uh, of Christ exercising His authority over the forces of darkness and evil. The angels uh, will enable Him to tread upon the lion and the cobra, and He will receive dominion over the predators and the forces of evil. Uh, this word tread is used of of a victorious army on the march. But turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 10. Uh, because Luke, uh, the apostle, uh, alludes to Psalm 91, and in particular, uh, uh, these verses uh, 11 to 13. Uh, as a reminder to us of uh, God's uh, provisions to us uh, in and through Jesus Christ. I'm going to read uh, Luke chapter 10 uh, in verses 17 to 20. And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. It's a forerunner of the total defeat of the prince of, uh, of the power of the air, of the authority of this world prince of this world. Now notice the text in verse 19. Behold, I have given you authority to dread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Now, Jesus gives his disciples authority to tread. This is a uh, the simplex verb of the tread used in uh, uh, Psalm 91 that's in a compound form. So tread upon serpents and over the power of the enemy and promises that nothing will injure them. It's a promise of safe passage from the forces that are alive and well in the world in which we live. It is the inevitable outcome of the crushing of the serpent on the head in Genesis 3, the great prologue of the gospel 
that Christ will crush the head of Satan. And Luke is telling us that Jesus is the victory of our song. And his followers experience a fulfillment of that reality. And the defeat of their ability to exercise dominion over the forces of darkness is uh, because of their Savior. But notice something else, uh, Luke 10. Uh, their, their divine election, that their names have been written. And because their names have been written, they are given safe passage. Uh, so that the doctrine of election has a profound personal application to our safety in transiting this life. Because their names have been recorded in heaven. Uh, the verbal aspect is uh, completed action in past time. Uh, it's in the passive voice, meaning that God has acted upon them by electing them in eternity past. Were it not so, they would not have safety. Incredible reference to the sovereign power of God. Then he makes it so and declares it in eternity past. That's why we can trust him that he is worthy of our trust. It's a reminder that there is no victory apart from him. Only in him. My, uh, my favorite reference to uh, uh, angels protecting us is, you may know, Daniel 12.1. It captures uh, the work of the great archangel Michael. And Daniel says of the great archangel Michael that he stands guard. And everyone who is found and written in the book will be rescued. It's a prophetic acknowledgement of a time of great danger that will come upon the earth. I believe we are in that time. I think by application, Psalm 91 is of that time. Uh, but Daniel gives explicit prophetic reference uh, that the great archangel uh, will guard uh, the people of God and will rescue all of them. None will be lost. None will be forgotten. All will be recovered. I'm reminded of something of, of this when, our, when my wife and I were visiting uh, the, the great cemetery uh, just above the Normandy beaches. It's almost 9,500 graves. But in the outlier to the great cemetery is a wall. Uh, written uh, are the names of uh, soldiers that were present to the invasion, but whose bodies were never found. that can never be said of any Christian whatsoever, that God knows where we are at all times and will rescue all of his sons and daughters. It is the reason, compelling reason, that regardless of the vagaries that you might confront as a Christian, even this very day, uh, that you can trust God because he is worthy of our trust uh, and the theology of Psalm 91 and our Lord's allusion to it in Luke chapter 10 are compelling reason that we go to him 
and that we recite to him that he is the object of our trust. We trust God because we know intuitively that we will never make it out of this ancient, terrifying battlefield except God uh, is our protector. Uh, everyone found written in the book, Daniel tells us, will be rescued. It's the reason we can trust. Great promise of a great God. In the last movement, verses 14 to 16, God speaks. Uh, the psalmist has told us in verses 1 to 13 that he hopes in God and his promises. Uh, he is telling us uh, that God is worthy of our trust, and now God, God speaks, and God answers the psalmist. Uh, he answers him that uh, he, will, he will reward his trust. God affirms his trust in confession. Again, it's a reminder that uh, you and I must proclaim our trust in God. And uh, God answers uh, that confession in verses 14 and 16. Uh, notice, uh, notice the text. Because he has loved me. He's answering the psalmist. But you and I could say because he has loved us. Because we have trusted Christ for transit. Because we have trusted the blood of Christ for safety. Uh, we, we, can, we can substitute uh, our names here. Because he has loved us. Uh, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. Uh, because he has known me, uh, God, God says. Uh, again, a personal and dynamic faith. Uh, a personal trust in a personal God. Notice there's a cascading array here of, uh, of promises. I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high. I will answer him. I will be with him. I will rescue him. I will honor him. I will satisfy him with a long life. And I will show him my salvation. It is an incredible reminder of the answer of God to the psalmist. The psalmist has trusted God. This is God's answer. That God will deliver Charles Spurgeon once wrote, I love the I wills of God. And the reason is quite simple. Because they are absolute and they are certain. When God promises, uh, he will deliver because of who he is. Uh, and that nothing can prevent him from achieving all that he wills. When God wills something, it will come to pass because he is God. And that is why we can have uh, the profound sense of deep affection and satisfaction that God is speaking to us uh, in the moments of our own days of challenge from the language of the battlefield of Psalm 91 uh, that God will rescue and deliver. Therefore, these are rock-solid promises because he is in control of every outcome. Uh, Kidner, in his commentary on Psalm 91, has written, uh, God's survivors, servants, pardon me, 
are not merely survivors, they are victors. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8.37 puts it this way, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. Overwhelmingly conquer. Compound form of the verb to conquer, therefore intensifying the reality of its meaning. We don't just conquer, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him, through Christ who loved us. Very important uh, verse in this regard is uh, found in First uh, Peter chapter one, in verses four and five. A writing of us to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God. Guarded by God, transiting this dangerous battlefield. God is our protection. Angels have been dispatched to secure our safety. And God is uh, telling us, uh, as he answers the faith of the psalmist, that uh, he will deliver, he will rescue, and that we will see our salvation. Our uh, our uh, good friend, uh, Ron Stromberg, who uh, we recently uh, buried, uh, told me uh, a number of years ago that when he was uh, flying during the Vietnam War out of Thailand, uh, he read Psalm 91 every day. I wondered about that. Never asked Ron about it, but... Uh, I was reminded uh, back uh, decades ago that uh, the Soviet Union uh, brought down a U-2. And they were everywhere in North Vietnam. Uh, and if they brought down Francis Gary Powers, they could bring down Ron Stromberg. And that's why he read this psalm every day. The hope of the provision of God. Now, I'm not saying that Christians don't get shot down. I'm not saying they don't have to bail out of uh, airplanes. And I'm not saying they don't get sick and die. Uh, I'm not saying we don't contract diseases. Uh, we experience all of the vagaries of the fall, except God will rescue us and deliver us. Our souls are secure. He gives us the assurance of that security in Psalm 91. And on the day that uh, Ron died, his soul transited to heaven. And God promises he will reclaim his body when he comes again. New Testament theology applies the reality uh, of Psalm 91 to the Christian in life and in death. In other words, uh, the ultimate reality of Psalm 91 is in the man of faith. We're not exempt from death or disease or the vagaries of the fall, but our soul is given safe passage in life and, again, this final exodus. Evil men and powers can take our lives, but they cannot harm our souls. That is the guarantee of God to the psalmist and the psalmist to us and uh, the answer of God 
to the expression of trust. We will come to the end and see God. And God will resurrect the body at the coming of the Lord in eternal glory. Listen to a, a few words of the New Testament that speak to our security as Christians. John 6.39, of all that He has given me, I lose none. But we'll raise it up on the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. John 11.25 He who has begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. That What God starts, He finishes. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Romans 16.20 I think an allusion to Psalm 91, to Luke 10, uh, that Satan will be crushed under our feet when eternal dominion and glory passes to us in the coming of Christ. That Jesus is our tabernacle, Hebrews 10.20. And God is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of His glory blameless and with great joy. Blameless with great joy. The power of God in effecting total final forgiveness in effecting the reality of it in eternal glory. Now, he released us uh, from our sins by His blood, Revelation 1.5. And the wings of the great eagle were given that we might fly into the wilderness, uh, Revelation 12.14. So the promises of the safety of transiting this battlefield of Psalm 91 are unending and guaranteed to all, to all who are in Christ. If, if you are not a Christian, uh, you, you do not have any guarantees whatsoever. In fact, you will not transit safely. Your soul is in the gravest of danger. It's the point of Psalm 91. Safe passage uh, falls to uh, the man who trusts God. The man who trusts God through Jesus Christ in His shed blood for redemption, the hope of salvation. So the real key of, of, uh, of the psalm, if you will, is, is the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus, who conquered the grave by the blood of the eternal covenant. Eternal covenant that God makes uh, with His people. And who defeated the forces of evil, thereby securing our safety on this battlefield. That He is the warrior supreme who gives abundantly to all of His sons and daughters of the bounties of His life. Therefore, uh, the certainty of assurance and security is, uh, is in Him. Uh, but I will tell you again, uh, if you're not a Christian, it is only in Him. There are thousands of promises and thousands of false religions. Their promises will prove to be false and fatal. Uh, the record of the New Testament, record of the Old Testament, word from God, there's only safety in Him through Jesus Christ. No safety whatsoever to any who are outside of Him. Uh, 
There is no protection for any who are outside of Christ. It's compelling reason, if you will, the psalmist is shouting to any who know not the Savior to believe in this God and these promises. And their more fuller expression found in the New Testament, uh, that Christ is the ultimate haven of safety. And the shedding of His blood secures the eternal promises of His eternal covenant of redemption. You should go nowhere else. There's no reason to go anywhere else to find uh, your safety in Him. And consider your end without Him. Uh, you have no safety. Know again that the promises are those who trust Christ. And all who trust Him will see their salvation. They will be brought safely into heaven. And none are lost. All are claimed. If you're not a Christian, may God be gracious to you. Now read again Psalm 91. Now ask yourself how you can transit this battlefield absent the provisions of God. Uh, you, will, you will see if you read carefully uh, that you will not transit safely absent the provisions of God. Uh, again, I remind each of you who are Christians, it is a battlefield that we transit. We confront all of the vagaries of the fall. But God loses none who are His. We know the good shepherd of the sheep. He recovers all His own. None are lost. You will never experience a day in your life in which you must not and should not trust God in a vibrant faith. Saying, if you will, the Lord is my shepherd, he will lead and guide. He will see me through it. He will bring me to the end. My cup will run over. And I will behold the salvation of my God. Our provisions are profound. And they are great. Because our God is great and profound. And may the psalmist in the verses of the New Testament awaken us all the more to the vibrancy of personally trusting God each and every day and the promises of God that come to each who so trust Him.